Welcome to the Intertidal Talks podcast. I am Kendra, marine biologist and your host. This podcast is meant to teach, inform, and entertain you about all things marine science and conservation. If you are a marine scientist or advocate with a story to share, you can contact me at intertidaltalks at gmail.com. Want to join our marine science community? Join us at patreon.com slash kendi underscore marine bio. Welcome back to Intertitle Talks, and I am super excited to be talking to Mackenzie today, who I met on TikTok, and we're, I'm kicking off June and Pride Month with Mackenzie, so we're going to talk about marine science, but also being LGBTQ plus within the field. So Mackenzie, if you want to introduce yourself. Hi. What, yeah, give us, like, <laughs> give us like the Reader's Digest about your life and getting into marine science. Well, geez. Um... Well, I was born in Canada, but I was raised in Hawaii. So I moved to Hawaii as a little kid and have grown up there, done all my schooling there, um, which definitely played into an eventual career change when I was in my undergraduate because I started my undergraduate as a forensic student because I was afraid of capitalism <laughs> and being poor because I grew up poor and I was like I don't want to be poor for the rest of my life I don't want to I don't want to struggle I don't want to have to go to school to struggle um and while I was in my undergrad uh I was dating a staff member scandalous it was it's, it sounds much more scandalous than it actually is <laughs> but I was dating a staff member and she was just kind of like she was the person that knew me the best academically like we started dating because she was like because I asked her to tutor me and of course we never actually Ooh. like did any studying but like I still got A's and, she, and I was like it's because it's because you're tutoring and she was like yeah okay, my tutoring sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah sure yeah exactly um and she just kind of was like, hey, you like seem like you're like, you're good at what you're doing. You're, you know, you like science, but you don't seem to like truly enjoy it. Like, it's not something that you like wake up and think about. It's not something that like you like you wake up and think about the ocean. You wake up and ask if we're going diving. You wake up and you're checking, you know, ecological science and not, you know, forensic science. Like you, 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 you have a passion for different things. And I was like, well, that's because like the ocean can be my passion. It can be like my side project, you know, like my hobby because mm -hmm. everyone needs to have a hobby. And she was like, yeah, but you're, if your job isn't something that you love, then you're going to hate it. Then you're going to be 30 years into it. And you're going to be like, I hate this. Why did I do this? Why is my whole life dedicated to something that I don't even enjoy? Um, and that stuck with me and I definitely thought about it for a while but of course it was because it was somebody I was dating I was like no fuck you you're wrong <laughs> <laughs> I will not be listening to you because we're dating um, and so she went to a couple of professors and just kind of was like hey like I notice a really brilliant student here that's not rising to her potential because she doesn't enjoy what she's doing um, and so that got pulled aside uh, it was at the very end of my um first year but I had skipped a semester so it was kind of like half you know first year mm -hmm. sort of <laughs> first year for me <laughs> but it was the middle of a, a school school semester or school year um and they kind of pulled me inside and were just like hey have you thought about like a change in your career choice here like you made this career choice when you were 17 like mm -hmm. not all the decisions that you made when you were 17 are still going to apply when you're an adult and I was like whoa well, maybe. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> you might have a point there. Um, and basically what was happening is 
they said, okay, well, you need to fill a, like a student, like you need to fill a certain requirement in order to be a lab assistant. So next semester, let's get you into those classes so that you can fill the lab assistant requirement so that by summertime, you're doing all of these things and we can like work on, you know, seeing what you truly enjoy. And I was like, okay, sure, whatever. So I did all the classes that they asked me to do to fill the requirements. And in that time frame, um, my dean, because I was in the uh, general or natural math and science was the department that I was in. So our dean was really good friends with a woman named Dr. Ruth Gates, which if you know anything about, about Coral Reef, mm-hmm. you probably know that name. Wow. Um, so they were really good friends. They, yeah. you know, they were working on grants together and stuff. And nobody from my university had ever done an internship in her lab before. They, she only accepts students from UH. She does not say accept students from Chaminade. She was like, no, I'm not doing that. Like I, you know, I don't, you know, I don't have a reputation with your school. So I don't want to like have students in my lab that I like can't vouch for, you know, like mm-hmm. I don't feel comfortable. Like I don't know your classes well enough. But because my dean and her were really good friends, my dean using her mass, mass, uh, you know, uh, not manipulation, that's a bad word, but you know, her, her, you know, convincing qualities, peer pressure, mm-hmm. a little bit of peer pressure, which is like, let me have a trial student. One student gets to go into your lab and intern and one student only. And if you like it, then we get to continue this program. I was that one student. So I was the student sent from my school to go and intern in her lab. Um, and I, uh, apparently did a good job because the program is still going on until today and they still have that they still have that even though um Ruth is no longer with us RIP mm-hmm. I, I miss her dearly yeah. um but um I, that was kind of the beginning of it all is I started you know working in her lab and just really enjoying myself enjoying what I was doing obviously being happy that was one of the things that they reported back was like I was always like in the lab listening to music and like dancing and having a fun time oh. and they were like they were like yeah she just like brought like this like fun environment like this fun joy to the to the you know to a lab which is normally this kind of like this boring space and so everyone around me was kind of like do you see what we mean now by like you actually enjoying what you're doing and I was like okay maybe maybe you had a point you may have been right like like, I don't want to say that you were correct but like you were correct we have yet to Um, really see (laughs) so uh so then I started doing research in the marine field so I, I kept my degree just because if I had added on or gone back and done like a general biology or done like a uh, biochem degree, it would have added a year to my degree. And there was just no way that I could afford that as a student that was paying for my own tuition and, you know, doing my own stuff. So there was just no way that I could afford to do that. But I doubled up on some classes. So like I went and got like environmental classes added on when I could, like if I had the space, if I had a few extra credits that I could fill in, that I would fill that class with like a marine class or an environmental class because we had professors that would do those as electives. Um, And then I was also a lab assistant. So then I would lab assist for the classes that I didn't necessarily get to be participants in the class as a student, but I would Mm -hmm. get to participate them as their lab assistant, which is always fun because then I got to go and actually take them to places like the side of Diamond Head, if you know Beach Road, like I would Mm -hmm. go there, we would do like tidal pool um, investigations there and like, you know, bring them up taco, bring them up other things, show them all of this stuff, you know, it was really fun to get to show students all of this stuff. So for the last like two and a half years of my degree, though I was still in the forensics program, I was volunteering, I was being paid as a lab assistant. (laughs) but I was volunteering at like reef cleanups and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and that's, that's kind of how I got into it from there. I started my master's, uh, but it was just 
far too expensive for where I was at in the place that I was at. Hawaii is a very expensive place to live if you're unaware. Um, And so in order to try and, you know, battle that or do something, I was like, well, I have to get like a, another job or a part-time job. So I started um, being a naturalist and doing naturalist work on like friends boats and things. And then I ended up getting a job um, on a bigger like cruise boat uh, doing humpback whale naturalist work. And of course we did photos. So I was also the photographer or I was the naturalist and we would ba- bounce back and forth. And then you of course work with Noah, giving Noah all like the data that you've had and all the pictures that you've taken. Um, so I did that for a while and that helped me, but I did have to drop out of my master's cause I just couldn't, couldn't afford it. Um, and then uh, because of life, I decided that I was gonna leave Oahu for a little bit and I went to live in Kona and I worked on a submarine in Kona. So I was working as a naturalist on the submarine there for a little over a year. Um, and then I was like, I need to go to the mainland and try and do this whole school thing again. So I left to come back to the mainland cause I school's a little bit cheaper, it's cheaper to live. And also because of the career that I envisioned in my head, I very much want to be like a naturalist for the people. Like I like as media is progressing online, like I like I always say I want to be the internet's naturalist. Like I want to be able to provide, you know, a lot of information. And my education is fully in Hawaii from Mm. elementary school all the way up to the master's that I started is all Hawaii and like that's great that's wonderful it's made me very specialized in that location in that area but I need to know more if I really want to be like a true naturalist and be able to you know talk about anywhere any sea any creature then I need my education to expand past the place that I am comfortable with like you got to step out of your comfort zone. Like Hawaii is my home, Hawaii is my comfort. I got to step out of it and try and find that education elsewhere. So that's kind of what I'm currently working on. I was trying to do it pre-pandemic and then, you know, I think everybody's lives got pretty much flipped upside down. Yeah. <laughs> this pandemic. Um, and so my goal is to be back in school in the next little bit. Um, probably somewhere on you know the west side of Canada or the United States still Pacific Ocean but you know a little bit colder colder different eco yeah Yeah, different ecosystem (laughs) yeah that's I know it's so weird I'm like this is the same ocean when Uh I go out it's Uh amazing it's like this is super cool that I'm like in the same ocean but it's a completely different ecosystem happening yeah even even just like the difference of the humpback whales in Hawaii and the humpback whales in Alaska, like I've only experienced humpback whales in Hawaii. Like mm-hmm. I only know a starving humpback whale. Like, <laughs> like, not a happy fed whale. Not a ha- not a happy fed whale. And my my partner has uh, been to Alaska and has worked in Alaska for a little bit. And she was like, yeah, they're in Alaska and they're because they're eating and because they're like hungry and or like, ha- you know, happy and fed, they're just jumping all the time. Like they're jumping, they're doing stuff. They're wow. active constantly. And I'm so used to like losing my mind over a breach because it's rare in Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen like the baby's breach. Mm-hmm. I think I've seen an, I've seen an adult breach during the whale count in Lahaina that I was doing with the Pacific Whale Foundation once and that was super cool besides that it was always just breaths and then I have watched the males like chasing with each other Mm -hmm. and that was pretty cool that was pretty cool yeah that's a big one that's one of the cooler events that happens in Hawaii is the males like getting kind of aggressive with Mm -hmm. each other and they do these like 
plays almost like, like they do a form of bubble netting almost where they like join together and create these bubble nets and they're like and you're like are you fishing or are you fighting like what are you guys doing I have, and they're like slapping each other and you're like damn I have a video of of I think it's like three males and one comes up and like its whole like mouth just like opens as it's coming up and it was like the coolest thing I was I was like it's like jaw popping which I think of like with like sharks and dolphins that behavior where I'm like oh it's aggressive this is so cool um but I love that you were encouraged to go into the field after making the choice to like pick somewhere with better money because like that's the biggest thing people ask me or criticize me I like why would you pick this field you're not gonna make any money why would you like what's your backup plan I was like my backup plan was theater so money was never (laughs) my priority like and my backup backup was teaching like high school elementary school middle school either like science or English and theater because I also really love English yeah so it's like money never been on my my table yeah don't know her don't know her and so I love that like you started something I don't know like how forensics what was like what did you want to do with forensics um I enjoyed anthropology so I enjoyed the study of Mm -hmm. like learning how different bones adapted and have evolved I thought that was really interesting and I was good and I was good at it I enjoyed it um uh I when I look back at it retrospectively I think that a forensics degree helped me to some degrees as far as learning law, like that was a huge part of a forensic degree that I didn't quite understand when I was going into it is it's 50% science, 50% law. Like you are learning law, you are, you are in a courtroom, you are learning how to do all of that stuff. And law and politics are so intertwined that you have to kind of learn both to truly understand what you're doing. And so I got a really good understanding of law and politics, at least in the United States. And that is something that will benefit me in the future, right? That's so, really cool. Yeah. Wow. I didn't even, I wouldn't have thought that that was a part of it. That's actually really cool. Yeah. It's, wow. it's a big part of, of or I mean, I, I think people have a really mixed look on what forensics actually is. It, and it's definitely sprouts from like TV and media. My, yeah. My, mine's from Bones. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only thing I yeah. can think of. Exactly. Where you kind of like think that everybody like, contributes to this like crime stopping finding clues and that's like not really what it is and that's kind of why it became something that I didn't really truly enjoy because I love science like I've always loved science that's been like my favorite thing since I was in middle you know elementary school like I just think it's so interesting I've always enjoyed it I've always enjoyed learning and getting to do different experiments and that's that's the kick right there getting to do different experiments because in forensics you're doing the same shit every day you learn one special thing and then you're doing that same thing over and over and over and over and over again until you fucking die (laughs) I I could not do that you're you're just doing that that's all you do right and like Mm -hmm. and that's interesting and certain people really thrive in that like we got to have a professor who um uh was top in forensic or in fingerprints like she was just like top of her game in fingerprints like knew everything about fingerprints like like I have one finger that's like a very rare fingerprint a combo of two different designs and like it's in her book and it's like this whole thing like she's like so into it and I'm like girl how can you love fingerprints this much like what do you mean Like, 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 like I would do 10 and then I'd be like okay 
That's Thank it. you. That's all I care about. That's so funny. Oh, I don't even. I don't even think about my fingerprints half of the time. Especially yeah, exactly. And like, and some people just like like love it, and then that's and that's a good thing. Like, if you are like that's something that you love. Like, if you love or pet or repetition like having a schedule and having something like that that you're like really skilled at and like you're the top top best of it all like that's forensic might be the answer like that's a it's a great field and you get paid quite well mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, that, there's that there you go you make good money um but it just it wasn't something that I could I couldn't imagine myself doing the yeah. same thing every day I would I would lose my mind I would lose it no way well I feel like everyone I know in marine science so far has had their fingers in multiple projects yes and like we all for the most part from like my the people I know we like love certain species that we always like want to work with more than others or ecosystems would have to be like an animal some people just like mm-hmm. kelp or just the reefs in general mm-hmm. how like behavior dynamics work but like for me it's like echinoderms tinafores and then I really like killer whales for example but I've worked, I've gotten to like look and work on different projects, some with like crickets, freshwater fish. There've been like hawkfish projects that I've gotten my hands in, coral projects. And then I volunteered for a bunch of other ones that it's like, mm-hmm. I you're all over the place. Yeah. And I like fell in love with different animals and it gave like a bit of, I feel like rejuvenation each time. Like I'd get yeah. kind of like bored sitting in my lab and then someone's like, hey, can you come help me do this? And then yeah. you're just thrown out there. Um, so you did corals, as you said. Mm-hmm. What else have you worked on? Um, so I did work on the Hawaiian collector urchin. That was um, one of the uh, second projects I did. Uh, so the Tripnestis gratilla. Wow, that was a mouthful for a second. Um, which I think has a really, really significant and fundamental part of Hawaii. It just has a, a very significant story. Um, as, and I've talked about this on TikTok, but it's just that- Kaneohebe. Yeah, Kaneohebe and, and some other places, yeah. but uh, really overrun by invasive algae, most likely coming from people like dumping their fish tanks in the ocean. Um, just irresponsible pet ownership. Mm-hmm. Be responsible if you don't buy pets, please. Um, <laughs> normal, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a consumer blamer. Like we, that's like my number one thing, but God yeah. damn it, please, please be responsible with your pets. Yeah. Like, <laughs> That's not consumer blaming. That's just asking you to not be a dick. (laughs) Living beings and then like, look at Florida. We don't want your pets impact the entire environment. Exactly, exactly. Um, But so we had really bad invasive algae blooms that were destroying Kaneohe Bay, which is a a fun, it's a significant place for coral. Um, It's a place where a lot of coral um, blooms happen. A lot of coral spawning happens in Kaneohe Bay. So to have the bay just drowning in invasive algae that was suffocating the coral, um, not allowing it to, well, it's, you know, it's friend to photosynthesize mm-hmm. for it. Um, but uh, they first started doing a super soccer, which is basically just like a big tube mm-hmm. <laughs> and a scuba diver that were going along the reef and trying to like scoop up this invasive algae. But they kind of quickly figured out that like, no matter how many people, like they only have two, I think, super suckers. So like no matter how many people are operating those two for hours on end, you're just not gonna keep up with it. Like you clean one area, then you go to the next. And by the time you're done cleaning the next, the area that you just cleaned previously is back to being invaded, like taken over. So they they just couldn't keep up with it. And somewhere along the lines, they kind of discovered that the Hawaiian collector urgent just loves to eat this invasive algae, uh, that it was, you know, had an affinity for it. So they began farming the, um, the Hawaiian collector urchin. They farmed it out in uh, Sand Island. Uh, there's a pretty large collector urchin farm there. Um, you'll smell it before you see it. 
lovely. <laughs> um, and, and I spent a significant amount of time out there um, and they just kind of started farming them. And so a combination of the super suckers, like basically sucking up the area and then having those Trypnestos gratilla there so that when the invasive algae comes back, they are there to manage it. It like, doesn't get out of hand. Like a combination of the two things saved the reef, saved Kaneohe Bay. Like Kaneohe Bay is now a thriving place again, mm -hmm. at least pretty well. Yeah. Um, and, and we have coral spawns, you know, we we're seeing that again. And so it's, really interesting to, to see. And basically what I was doing was looking at the gonad of the creature. And I was one of many, many people looking at this and trying to characterize the gonad to basically just understand when it's best for, when it's most fertile, when it's best to mate, but when it's best to harvest because it might be a contender for sustainable agriculture because urchins make uni. Mm -hmm. Uni is, uh, you know, a sushi, sashimi delicacy. And uh, the Hawaiian collector urchin does make uni. And if we can figure out, I think they, I think they have at this point, I'm not sure, uh, but you know, once they have it characterized of when's best for fertilization and then when past that point, can we harvest it for food? It, it might be a very good contender for some, for some nice sustainable agriculture. That can, okay. you know. When they get pretty big over in Kaneohe Bay, like I've yeah. seen the collector's urchins like all over Oahu and we went to like do like patch reef surveying and filming for an online lab in like November and I was holding one and it was like my entire hand it was a massive urchin when they also fed really well <laughs> yeah they're they're it's just in like the ones over at other beaches like they're they, they can get decent size but this one I was like holy crap do you see this like mm -hmm. my my coworker and my professor because I love I if an urchin is there and I can pick it up I will do so yeah and I was just like in awe by how big they were. And like, we had taught about like the invasive algae. Um, and yeah, when you post about that, I was like, oh my goodness, I love Kaneohe Bay. I love sea urchins. This is so cool that you worked on it. Cause I've like made posts about it mm -hmm. um, to like talk about like, hey, invasive species responsibly take care of your, your pets. And even like, just like your water. Cause like there's other animals, there's things in your tanks. And yeah. I think it was around the time Sometime last summer, the Waikiki Aquarium extracted a bunch of um, non-native corals from Kaneohe Bay that had ended there because of people Somewhere. putting their, yeah, emptying their tanks in the water. Yeah. And that's not good. Especially yeah. with Kaneohe Bay being like one of these habitats where we're having, where coral species are adapting to the yeah. warmer waters really well. So it's like, that's not mess this up anymore please Which is part of the research that the first project that i was working on when i went out there to intern with uh himb when i went out there to be in Ruth, ruth's lab it was all about how do we help these corals adapt to higher temperatures and higher waters or higher water acidity you know mm -hmm. um so that was kind of the whole 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 background behind the project that i was in and then when i went to my master's it was again working kind of with on that but we were trying to sequence that genome and trying to like understand just you know in case it ever got to the point of of needing to actually intervene and mm -hmm. do some some sort of bioevolution um you know nobody wants to nobody wants to do that nobody wants to step in and be the yeah. person that's like oh we have to you know give it some actual help um but out of fear that there is going to be a point that that there's no other option they're working on having that characterized to the best of their ability so that, you know, they can make sure they're testing the corals before releasing these genetically modified corals into the wild. 
yeah if that ever happens what what were there like certain species over there that were like doing better than others um and is there like a reason maybe why Kaneohe Bay corals are able to adapt and are showing like a better response I guess you could say to climate issues than in other places um I don't know if they're necessarily I don't want to say this properly uh I think the thing with Kaneohe Bay, like what we a lot of times compare in Hawaii when we're talking about coral reefs, we'll compare Kaneohe Bay and Waikiki. And I don't think that's a fair comparison for quite a few reasons. Um, Kaneohe Bay has, for one, a lot less visitors, a lot less people swimming in those waters. Um, and Kaneohe Bay is old. It's like those corals have been there for a very, very long time. And I think coral in general is much more resilient than we give it credit for. Mm-hmm. Like people are always like, oh, like one drop of sunscreen is going to kill all the coral. No, bitch, coral is so much more resilient than like you're, you're telling it. Like it's, yeah. it's sensitive, but it's also able to bring it back. Like it freaks out when things change. Yes, mm-hmm. some of us do. <laughs> but it's also able to collect itself. You know, it, it does bleach, but that doesn't mean coral death. That's a very, you know, people always think white coral, dead coral, not always. Mm-hmm. Coral is able to reabsorb that, like, you know, algae that lives with it. There's other that yeah. lives with it. It's so that happened on West Side in yeah, the last, it ha- like. It happens all the time. It happens yeah. all the time. I, when I was in the submarine, we watched coral bleached and then watched coral regain its ability, regain its coral, like regain yeah. its color. Like it happens all the time. Coral is so much more resilient than, the, than we ever give it credit for. So I don't think it's necessarily fair to say that Kaneohe Bay is more resilient or has mm-hmm. coral that's adapting better. I think coral in general, all over the world is adapting better and all over Hawaii is adapting better. Like there are um, beaches on Molokai and Ni'ihau that are having great coral reef restore restoration mm-hmm. um, and that heavily relies on a smaller amount of people entering those waters yeah and that doesn't necessarily have to do with your sunscreen or things like that it has to do more with like people trampling on it people walking on the coral reef people diving and holding onto the coral reef and not necessarily your sunscreen but if you're wearing things like body glitter or you know anything along those lines that are microplastics entering the ocean those can hurt the coral more than anything because they are filter feeders at the mm-hmm. end of the day. That's that's how they feed at the end of, at night, right? When the coral polyp comes out at night, it's filter feeding. And if it's collecting your glitter plastic, that can hurt the coral yeah. <laughs> more than your sunscreen will. Yeah. So it, it, I think that it's not necessarily, like I said, not, not necessarily that Kaneohe Bay is doing better, but that it has less people and it has more people caring for it. Yes. <laughs> like, it has much more people that are like, don't step on the reef, don't do that, you know, and being much more cautious than yeah. Waikiki does. I don't even think about Waikiki as like a reef spot. I, which is... Um, Waikiki is so beautiful. It's really, because I, okay, I grew up right in Waikiki. Yeah. Like, I grew up like a block away from the beach. Like I could see the beach from my, my apartment, my apartment where I, and I slept in the living room because we only had a one bedroom apartment. Like mm-hmm. I slept in the living room, could see it from my couch where I slept on. Um, and when there's not people there like in the off season when mm-hmm. there's not a whole lot of people there yeah in the morning I used to go down and just go swimming in, in the water because that's the only time that why he is just gorgeous it is so beautiful like there's so much wildlife there's 
pods of turtles or pods of turtles pods of i'm thinking of turtles and dolphins in my head <laughs> at the same time i was gonna say there are lots of turtles but there's po- lots of pods lots. of dolphins that love to hang yeah. out in my heat like plenty of them but they just get scared off because there's so many people mm-hmm. and there are lots of turtles plenty of turtles there's so much stuff and the water is so beautiful but then of course people come in and there's just and and yes the amount of sunscreen entering the water can get kind of gross because it leaves like this sheen, like this mm-hmm. like, shine on the top layer. And that's just gross to swim in. I'm sorry. Yeah. Shark's Cove, <laughs> Shark's Cove will get like that too. So gross. So gross. But yeah, like Waikiki is so beautiful. And like you said, I don't think people recognize that it is like, an yeah. ecosystem. Like it, well, it has a beautiful, beautiful right, right before COVID. Well, I guess not right before COVID. The year, mm, let's say, like that semester before that November. So that fall semester prior to everything hit it, you know, mm-hmm. me and my coworker were given like this, we were going to start working on a project where we would start, they would, they put, we're like putting cameras down, like one of our professors in Waikiki at different reef areas. And we would watch them and have to ID all the fish that pass by. And so we, <laughs> which cool. it was cool. I'm slightly glad that it, we were not <laughs> having to do that every single day. But they were just like, oh, like here, are like some sample videos and make sure you have the ID down because we're going to have you guys start doing this eventually. And so we were like practicing. And that's when I was like, I did not realize because I always like dive west side and north shore mm-hmm. and then occasionally east side. Um, I had never went down to Waikiki just because cities and all that make me anxious. Except like at night, I had gone a couple of times for like sunset dinner, go grab food. Um, and then during COVID, I went down. And we did like a catamaran when it was like super empty and it was super nice. And I was like, wow, Waikiki is really pretty when it is not full of people and doesn't make me like feel like I'm having an anxiety attack walking Mm -hmm. down the street. But like the the reefs, they're really pretty. And I just, I never had even thought that this was a reef location because I was like, I don't want to go out. Like that's all just like tourists and it's probably all dead and just assuming that it was like some horrible devastated place because of all of like the tourist beaches happening on like Waikiki I mean yeah it's it I feel like it's overrun by people but like my first when I, I took a marine bio class in high school that's how I found out like how much could the careers make that's how I got scared um but I took a marine bio class in high school which I loved and my high school is uh right on the side of Diamond Head right by Kapilani um park um so right across from my high school is Kaimana Beach um, and that's where we went for our like marine bio field trip. We like went swimming at Kaimana and the teacher that taught it, like there was so much for her to point out. Like there were so many things and it kind of made us realize like we are surrounded by beautiful nature. We just don't recognize it because we're so, so conditioned at this point to be like, why he tourists gross, like yeah. no life, nothing gross. And once you take a step back and you like erase the people for a second, <laughs> it's actually a really beautiful place. I love that. I, I'm from Arizona. So I thought that um, coral were rocks for the longest time. Definitely. <laughs> I don't even, I think freshman year going to college, I was like, coral's an animal. Like I went into marine science knowing nothing besides I liked whales. And I wanted to be a SeaWorld trainer. That's gone, but that's what I wanted. <laughs> and that's all I knew. <laughs> so people are like, whenever people ask like, oh, like when did you find like, like, what did you know beforehand? What should I do? I'm like, I did nothing. I was a theater kid. I did track and field. No. I thought coral were rocks. That's about all I could tell you. 
so and I, and I love like seeing the difference of like race in different places and mm-hmm. being so like be, it'd be it'd be amazing to actually grow up around like the ocean and reefs for me because I just think they're so beautiful now um and I love like that input like once you kind of just because tourists are there doesn't mean these areas are less than yeah but uh, I, I, like I grew up like you said I grew up di- only going to like the north shore or the west side of dive like that's like where we went like mm-hmm. that's like my best friend and I like by the time I was taking that marine bio class like my best friend and I were like already like deep into like west side adventures and like things like that we like never never would consider going. We, we only went to Waikiki to surf like that's the only place like you yeah. only go to Waikiki to surf like that's the only thing that you do and then in this marine bio class I was like oh maybe I should like pay more attention to like the reef that's around me like I live a block away from this reef and I'm like it's dead it doesn't exist no sweetie it's not <laughs> it's there it's there it's alive take care of it I only went to Waikiki to go shopping so <laughs> surfing is a little better. It's also just a knowing where to like find in Waikiki. Like there's some, there's some, there's some gems in Waikiki. You just gotta open your eyes a little bit. I will definitely, I need to adventure down there. Also, also Kaimana is one of the places that gets the most monk seals on Oahu. Oh, I've only probably seen like five monk seals. One of those was in the water and I, yeah. I, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I've seen them in the water, like shit yourself yes they're so scary (laughs) i i was um (laughs) i was at the beach with a whole bunch of friends once and i am blind like blind bat knee contacts knee glasses blind bat and we were just sitting on the beach and it was like a beautiful west side day like shore break you know friends having fun on the water and I'm just sitting there with my dog and I like look up and I was like, that is a big fucking person riding the shore break. Like that is a large person. <laughs> and I just kept watching this like giant person surfing the shore break. And I was like, I cannot believe how big this local line is. And I like turned to my best friend and I was like, look at this big line. And she was like, that's a mug seal. <laughs> I we had to, like call for our friends to get out of the water, right? Cause we were, cause they yeah. were all the shore break. We were like, get out of the water, get out of the water, get out of the water. You have to get away from the mug seal. And they were like, oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. I, my, my friend, we were diving once and we were all like, had our heads pop, popped out of the water. And he was like, there's an eel. Well, I thought he said eel. It was a seal. And he was like pointing down at a cave. And I was like, oh, I love eels. And just dove down. Like the second he said it went to go look for it. And they were like, what are you doing? Cause they thought that I heard seal and was going to go see it. But I was like, oh, an eel. Like, I think they're so like, they look so funny. I like when I kind of like get them to come out. And I go down there, I don't see anything. I was like looking for this eel. I was like, there's no eel. What are you guys talking about? Like where? And I put my head back up and I was like, what are you guys talking about? They're like, no, seal. And we turn around and it had just started to come out of the cave. And I freaked out because like I've had friends get charged while diving. Like you just aren't spatially aware sometimes. I'm very bad at my what's around me happening. So I was like, oh my goodness, that would have terrified me because those, they're really cute. But seals genuinely They're scare so me scary. in the water. They're so scary. I they move so fast. I was on the west side, one of my favorite bays in the entire world. If you know, you know. Um, but I was on the like, uh, you know, more towards town side of it, mm-hmm. and um, I was with a couple of friends. Two of them had gone to the gone onto the shore, and so I was with like my one good friend, and we were swimming, and we had dove down to where a whole bunch of butterfly fish are great little spot for butterfly fish it's so pretty you swim through like hundreds of them it's so pretty and like as soon as I came back up from this spot I like looked down and I have footage of this somewhere 
the monk seal, a monk seal like came like right where I was swimming. And I was like, oh my God, thank God I got out of the way. Like, oh my God. Um, I, Cause I, those, those guys are so, fur- like they're so territorial, right? And yeah. I was like, oh, thank God I got out of the way. And so we were swimming and we were like collecting trash and we like swam in a different direction. And she was like maybe four feet behind me. And I'm just like looking at, like looking at the trash and I like turn behind and I see her and behind her is something. And I instantly thought it was a shark because I don't know, that's what your brain says when they're swimming yeah. in the water. And I like grabbed her and I was so scared. And we like turned and it was the seal following us. Like the seal was just swimming with us. And I like, and of course I got scared and freaked out. So I got scared and freaked out and left. But my friend was like losing her mind. She was like, you should like, you let the seal get near me. I'm like, I didn't know. Like I, I pulled you the second I thought I could. I I thought you were, I thought you were dead. I thought it was a shark. I was going to leave you for the, <laughs> leave, leave you, you are on your me. own. Oh yeah. Oh I swim gosh. faster than you. You're done. You're done. <laughs> Sorry, I'll come, I'll retrieve your body once it's finished. Uh, maybe. <laughs> yeah, there's been, yeah, there's so many times with, I've only ever like been in the water with two monk seals. That one was the most telling because I was like so close to it. The other time it swam past us from like 30 feet away and you could just see it. But I've, I thought one time I got bit by a sea turtle and that freaked me out so bad because they were like 10 at this, this like spot. And I was filming one that was like farther away from me at the surface and I was like in a really weird like position to like stay under and like stay at a distance but like keep my camera level and my friend came up underneath me and grabbed my calf like like with little claw hands and there were like three under me at one point farther down but I've seen them like charge people Mm -hmm. because you get too close and turtles are big um and I literally was like, I just got bit by a turtle on my calf. And I like freaked out. <laughs> and someone was videoing this whole thing happening from behind. So there's a whole video and then we pop up and she swims in front of me. And I yelled at her, I thought you were a turtle. Because I was like panicking <laughs> to be like, Did I just get like my calf bit off by a turtle. Because I was like, oh my gosh. That sounds so scary. That's why you give animals their, <laughs> their space. Just give animals their space. Yeah, don't, don't get too close. Especially, yeah, I'm like, people are like turtles can bite you I'm like yeah they yeah. usually don't but if you give them the opportunity or you bug them enough they will <laughs> I also think turtles are like like the blondes of the sea they're they're a bit they're a bit bimboy like there's like some great turtle spots especially on the west side there's like turtle rocks because there's like mm-hmm. entire rocks that are just covered in mountain they like to eat so it's like mm-hmm. all hang out there it's great you can just like go and find like 12 turtles sometimes and I remember being out there one time and we were just like all diving around and the turtles kept coming to the surface, like where we were. And they just kept, kept like rising, like right beneath us and we'd like swim away and then they'd like swim close to us. And we were like, dude, like I am trying oh. to get a new space. Don't touch me. <laughs> and they're just like so unaware, like so unaware what's going on. I'm like, dude, like I, I understand. They just have the face too. It's like, <laughs> just like their mouth. When they go to breathe too, it's like, Ugh. I think they look so funny when they go yeah. to breathe. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Like sometimes I'm just like, dude, I- I know, I, I know, I know, I know this is your space, like, I'm in your space, but, like, I'm trying to give you your space, yeah. and you're, you're, like, give, help me out here. Let's give each other space, yes. okay? Thank you. Like, just, like, push a little bit of water at them, like, no. Yes, like, sometimes, I'm like, God, like, I love you turtles, but I don't, I don't know, sometimes I wonder. <laughs> that's actually, that's a really funny description for turtles with bimbo. 
Yeah, they're just kind of like I love that. Party. Like they have their moments where they're like really, really useful and really smart. And you're like, wow, you're like really a, a really interesting creature. Like you are able of critical thinking. That's incredible. And then sometimes you're like, how did you survive? <laughs> Seriously, yeah. Oh my gosh, that is. I, I don't like I honestly don't give much thought to turtles a whole lot like that sounds bad but like I'm not like a turtle person I love to see them out in the water like they're just so beautiful but I'm not like in my free time like yeah turtles <laughs> so I've never like thought but that's really funny I love like giving animals weird like s- nicknames like I think sandbar sharks like chihuahuas how with how they act I'm always like they're chihuahuas they're like the most like they they'll spaz in a second and be like oh and go away and leave like be totally uninterested yep oh my gosh um that's so funny but yeah okay humpbacks <laughs> sure or sedations or like summer i know there's so many things there's the submarine tours um was that with what is it called atlantis mm-hmm. okay i've done the one on on out of waikiki mm-hmm. on oahu i did not know yeah. there were ones in kona there's one on Kona and there's one on Maui and there's one oh, on Oahu. Yeah. So um, I would say the it depends on what you want to see as far as which tour you should. Like if you're going to all three islands and you only want to go on one submarine tour and you don't know which one, it depends on what you want to see. Um, because Maui has some really cool reef at first and then you get a lot of kind of sand open area and then you see I believe it's two different shipwrecks um, or one shipwreck, I'm not sure. Uh, the one on Oahu, you get dead coral. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember of, that. Because of where they drop. Um, and you get a plane wreck, which is kind of cool. It's yeah. a World War II plane, I believe, and then a ship. Mm-hmm. Um, and But I think the Kona one is the most fun because of where it operates out of the uh, like Kona Harbor there. Um, it's just like a, like a small little spot, the Kona Pier, I should say, not the harbor. We, we leave from the harbor, we dock at night out of the harbor, but you have the tour from the pier. And there's a lot, a lot of alive, like lots of live reef. And I think the thing to keep in mind though, of course, is you do lose color. Like we don't have lights on the outside of the submarine. So everything is as it, you would see it uh, through your mask if you had no flashlight because um, you do lose color and we do have a demonstration that explains all of that right like we have a color chart that helps mm-hmm. explain that because um, you lose red and a lot of the coral is red toned so you lose that color um, but there's so much fish so much re- like just so much wildlife in Kona and then you do get two shipwrecks um, and both shipwrecks have kind of fun stories and you know and, and it's fun the crew is fun they're good people um, you know, you're in good hands as well. Like, I think that people get intimidated. They're like, oh, this feels unsafe. Like, I mean, yeah, you flew here though. Like it is much safer than the airplane <laughs> that you flew here. I could promise you that. Um, <laughs> and the, the crew is, is, is well-trained. Like in order mm-hmm. to even be a naturalist, like my position was technically co-pilot because in order to be a naturalist, you have to be a co-pilot. Like you have to have enough training done to be a co-pilot and sit as a co-pilot to also sit as a naturalist. So every person that's on board with you has gone through a lot of training to be there and to keep you safe and keep you having fun. Um, So 
if you're like if you're the not coolest a person, yeah if you're not a person that likes to swim if you don't like scuba diving like I I, I want to say if you're going to Hawaii like try and go on locally owned tours first like put that put that above all like uh, if you're in Kona there's Oceanic Patrol which is owned by Captain G some great people out there that like have that are locally owned tours but if you're not comfortable getting in the water if you're not a comfortable swimmer if you don't want to scuba dive if you want don't want to do that but you still want to see the wildlife then the submarine is a is a pretty good option for you I think that's a lot of the people that we get are people that just kind of feel uncomfortable getting that deep in the water but want to see it so yeah what's like the coolest species you saw or like coolest thing maybe not like species like maybe coolest like experience with a species like it could be like spinner dolphins but like Um, there's several cool things I um I mean I think it depends on what person you're asking for as far as cool um because I once I was driving the submarine by myself like one of my friends was um like it was on the surface like I wasn't in I was out we were on the surface and I was just like driving it around one of my friends was on top on the deck just like you know telling me if I was going anywhere and I was driving it I think I was driving home like we were trying to head back to the um to the harbor because we do get towed there like the boat tows the submarine because the submarine yeah. is very 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 slow but while the boat is like unloading guests we try and start heading at least towards home to like you know reduce the time um and I saw a pelagic jellyfish which was like the coolest fucking thing and I like didn't know what to do because I was like somebody come look somebody come look somebody can look this is so cool like it was just like right past my viewport like as I was sitting in the pilot's like helm just like sitting there it was like this pelagic jellyfish and it was the coolest thing and I was I've never seen one like and I've lived in Hawaii my entire life and I have never seen one in person so that to me was really really cool um we did have a whale shark swim right up right to the side of the uh, submarine once and it was at the very end of a tour and there was this little kid sitting starboard side he was like sitting right next to me and he turned to me and he was like ma'am shark and I was like sure because kids always say shark and it's like a big fish and you're like like, yeah and you're like that's an ulua but yes it's sure shark (laughs) so like I I I should have been a condescending asshole but like that's my whole personality but he was like he was like ma'am shark and I was like okay and all of a sudden his family was like scrambling for cameras and stuff and I was like what is going on and I was sitting in the naturalist seat which is kind of like right behind the the pilot Mm -hmm. so it was pilot naturalist and the co-pilots all the way in the back um but I was sitting on my naturalist seat so I'm a little bit up so I don't get to like quite see like the viewports is good and so I just kind of like got off my seat and sat on the floor and there was just like a whale shark along the starboard side of my submarine wow. and I was like um whale shark and I like didn't know what to do because we were about to come up like we had already radioed to the surface because we have like an underwater telephone so we had mm-hmm. already radioed to the surface to be like hey we're gonna come up which means that we already had a crew member that was like in our skiff looking for the submarine like doing their job like they're like in the like in the sunshine trying to find us <laughs> and so we had to like radio back up and be like hey take a minute because we found a whale shark <laughs> and sorry yes sorry about that and the whole time like I'm trying to look and my pilot is like ripping me from the back of the uniform out of the viewport because he was afraid of the whale shark going on top of the submarine Mm. because the submarine will push the whale shark out of the water that's how hefty these submarines are they're like eight tons they'll just raise that bitch right out of the water and it's not gonna hurt us it's gonna hurt it's not gonna hurt the whale shark it's gonna hurt the submarine Mm -hmm. the whale shark's not gonna it's gonna be mad yeah one it might get like a scar or two, but it's going to be fine. But like the railings and all of that stuff that's on the top of the submarine, that's like how you load guests in, all of that would just be like wiped out, like eviscerated oh, by this by this whale shark, right? And these are like 
several million dollar submarine. Yeah. So like, the whole time he's just like, sit down. I'm like, whale shark, like trying to get a picture of it. Okay. <laughs> so, oh my gosh. Please sit down. And I was like, shut up. <laughs> Mind your business. Like, this is a whale shark. Okay. <laughs> the submarine could wait. This oh, is this, more important. This is very important. My, my whale shark swimsuit in the background. <laughs> yes, I love it. I, I was That was one of the cooler um, cooler experiences. We definitely, the dolphins like to chase us, which is I love that. Um, one of the things that people are always like, you're chasing dolphins. I'm like, no, bitch, dolphins are chasing us. Like that submarine can only go max three knots. We are, sorry, max four knots. We only put it at about three knots. Mm-hmm. A dolphin can swim much faster than that, I promise you. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh and so they play with us. Like if they, if they see the submarine and because it's usually around that like afternoon time when they're starting to like, you know, come in from, come like you know doing their things from sleeping throughout the day or whatever they've been doing they're starting to come into the bay to try and like you know hunt a little bit they'll see the submarine and they'll try and play with it and chase it and that's really fun because you're just like trying to drive the submarine home and they're just like dolphins swimming in front of you each which way and that's that's always fun um but my personal out of all of these I know those are like the most amazing ones but this is a creature that we see every single day on the submarine in Kona and it's a special special fish and it's the long-nosed butterfly fish that only goes black in Kona and it was my favorite thing in the entire world to like search for the black ones throughout my t- like trips like that's what I would do it was like it was like where's Waldo like where's <laughs> where's the la gotta find it gotta find it all my crew knew too like all my crew knew that like, that's the thing that I would do and they'd be like oh I see a black one let's go and they like turn the submarine that way we'd be like on like a totally different direction like where we were going like a different tour because they were like gosh show you the black one was butterfly fish because that's I just so loved- cool it was so fun like nowhere else in Hawaii do you see that? Nowhere mm-hmm. else in Hawaii are you going to find a black long-nosed butterfly fish except along the Kona coast. It's fun. Go look That's for them. so cool. I, the jellyfish, I would lose my mind over. I get distracted by anything that isn't sharks while on shark diving tours. <laughs> Just if any, like there were like little baby fish that were like hiding in my hair one time and I was going to die from how cute it was. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm, this is the only thing that matters right now are these yeah. little baby fish. And there's like, nine Galapagos sharks pretty close like they, they were pretty high that day so I was and I was just like Shh, they need to stay with me and like Tina fours I'll like grab and like be like ushering them into my hands while like everyone's looking at sharks so I definitely would freak out if I saw the plage jellyfish because they're so cool I want to see so cool looking there are so many different like jellyfish have, like, species little, all his little fish friends like hanging in the tentacles <gasps> I was, oh my I was gosh losing it. I was losing it I was like there's how am I alone right now <laughs> it's so cute. Oh, I want to so see cool. the crown jellyfish so bad the crown of thorns no the crown jellyfish the one that oh, has, I'm like... sorry I I misheard you I was like you want to see the crown girl no I've seen those <laughs> and my I the first time we saw one I was I think like a sophomore and the people I was with were like is that a crown of thorns or a sunflower star and I was, I was like, I have no idea, but I like to touch starfish, but I didn't touch it because they said that it might be dangerous. So I didn't. Sure enough, we got out of the water and they were like, oh, why would I think it was the, yeah, that was the crown of thorns. And I was like, did not know much still about marine biology and ocean, ocean life. So I was very glad for friends that were at least slightly aware. <laughs> Yeah, you're like don't touch it just to be safe. Yeah, don't don't touch don't touch don't them. touch that one. But we they are working on a like almost like a poison that you can inject the crown thorns with oh. that instead of like taking them out of the water because mm-hmm. um, like touching them is 
difficult and not always accessible for people. Yeah. Um, so they're working on a, like a, a serum that you can like inject them with and it doesn't harm the marine system around them. It like it's internalized, but it also allows for the cryothorans to like die in like the ocean and like be, you know, material reuse, mm-hmm. things like that. I don't know. I was reading the study like two weeks ago and I was like, this is interesting. This, this is cool. Cause that's one of the things that we did was we killed a sun or killed us cryothorans with the submarine once because uh, we were mad that it would aid our coral. We like watched it eat our coral. We had like a coral, we had cauliflower coral, which is one of the more rare corals in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. It's one of the corals that doesn't do as well mm-hmm. with um, the changing climate. Um, like our Montipara does pretty well with ad- ad- adaptation. Cauliflower coral, not doing so well <coughs> with the the changes of climate. Yeah. Um, so we had this one piece of cauliflower coral that we just always would go to because it was like the one piece on our dive that we could see. And one day there was a crown of thorns on it and he was just like launching away and, and it like Damn. broke. Oh, it broke our hearts. Like everybody was like distraught about it. Like nobody, like nobody cried because you know, we're, we're not going to cry, but we definitely felt about it. We definitely yeah. like felt like you could feel the tears in the back of your throat almost, right? Because yeah. you're like, this is like the one spot that we have. Um, and then like after he had decimated, decimated, that cauliflower coral, like that bitch was dead. Um, the, the next day we saw him crawling across the sand and the captain that I was with was like, should we land the submarine right now? And I was like, I think we should. And we just like landed the submarine on top of it. That's, I, that is <laughs> that is my favorite petty story now. It's <laughs> like, right here looks really good. Oh, you were there, so sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I almost touched a crown of thorn once. <laughs> But I would rather see a crown jellyfish. Yeah, I would. I would like to see a crown jellyfish. I've never seen one in in, in real life. My little so pretty. Yeah. Oh, I just love gelatinous zooplankton in general. I get distracted by anything out in the water, out in the pelagic area. I'm just like, this is a baby fish. This is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, that's valid. That's that's a valid thing because they're really cool looking and so- such interesting creatures. Like such different like what we would like normally are taught. Well, yeah, like baby fish look so weird sometimes. Actually, most of the time they look really weird. And there, and it it helped. There was a study that came out in like 2019 about there's a study done, I think, off of like Westside where they took samples of larvae from various slicks to test for microplastic and like microplastic ingestion among larval fish. And so I was then like just obsessed with wanting to do something similar. But with like the gelatinous zooplankton and like invert species, um, because this study was so cool to me that they like went off basically were just like, yeah, all these little larval fish are eating microplastics like five miles offshore. And that then that was one of the things that like launched my fascination into like planktonic research. Yeah. With plastics as well. I was like, my these two cool things. These really interesting things come together. Yeah. I love it. Uh, and then whales because everyone loves whales <laughs> everyone loves whales i love the humpbacks i won't lie i try and be like that bitch that's like mm, marine mammals but i also love them um that's but great. like megafauna they deserve the love they get but we can also share it with not megafauna but humpback <laughs> whales and a big deal in um like the tourism industry in the winter uh how like you worked as a naturalist for three years yeah so I was I was a naturalist for so I worked on Atlantis I worked on the Majestic which is uh mm-hmm. another vessel that they have it used to be the Navitech 
um, but then they upgraded to the Majestic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I worked on the, I, sorry, I started as a photographer and I was a photographer for the humpback whales and um, uh, basically would just like be part of like submitting it to NOAA and categorizing it and doing all of that. Um, and I was also working on like friend boats as a naturalist at the time, just kind of like learning what it was like to, mm-hmm. to speak to people. Um, Cause it was like very new to me at the time, like, like getting up and being like, like this is a whale. <laughs> the the <laughs> like customer service naturalist voice. Yes. And, and to make it sound like not like you're being condescending is honestly so difficult like it's Mm -hmm. so difficult to sound to give people information and like tell them like all this like vast stuff that you know without being like I am greater than thou (laughs) so it's like a skill that you really have to like kind of master a little bit and so I was working on like friends boats and stuff like that just kind of getting my grip under uh what that was and so I continued working on the majestic and so when the next year came around I was just kind of like hey can I apply to be the naturalist and the manager knew me really well. And she was like, I don't think you have to apply. I think I can just like give you the naturalist position. Like you are a naturalist on other boats. Like you can do that here. And I was like, sure. And um, then they, you know, you get training and stuff like that. And and you start talking about whales to boats of like 200, 300 people. And they ask you questions and it's a really interesting thing. So I worked with whales in total for about, I would say four years between like um, taking pictures work and like from the start from taking pictures and working on friends boats to then going to Kona. And I still worked on like, I want the tour I mentioned earlier, Oceanic Patrol owned by Captain G. I was his humpback whale naturalist for a while as well. Um, and it's really, it's fun. It's, it's a good time. I want, there's nothing to complain about. There's whales, there's baby whales. Cause that's where they give birth. The babies like, are so cute. Yeah, then you get to see the babies and the babies are trying to breach and you're like, yes. Try and this thing, we, I went out with Pacific Whale Foundation out of, uh, in Maui and we saw a baby breach for like 15 minutes, just like over and over. And it was the cutest thing. There it's amazing. And one of the years that I was a naturalist, the, I think it was the first year that I was a, a naturalist on the Majestic, um, I was really close with one of the captains. He like still one of my good friends. We talk like quite frequently. Um, I might be in love with him. That's a different story. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but he is a great guy and he was, he's a captain, amazing captain. And one day we like, you know, got to the whales and you know stayed our you know I think we were over 150 yards back because you have to stay at least 100 yards back but we try and stay at least 150 like we try and keep that distance like not minimal like we don't want it to be like is this 100 like if we don't Mm -hmm. like we don't want to be in one of those boats that's like you know 100 ish like no we're we're stark 100 and then then give it some leeway Yeah. yeah and so we were staying back and we just kind of we like lost them for a second and we were like where the the whales go like they were just here and all of a sudden they were beneath us so the they were just like swimming beneath the boat and I have all these videos of them being right beneath us like up against the the side of the boat like when they reappeared you could hear and smell the 
and all of a sudden I was like what that's so and, cool and so and of course he's freaking out because these boats are these whales are extremely close to this very large boat at this point so he's having to do all the captain things that like need to happen there and then like telling me to like like make sure you're keeping everybody off like off things keeping them down from the railings like that's too close and like but I was like too amazed I was like please be good <laughs> I trust you I'm also going to look now <laughs> yeah like you know and I'm like trying to like narrate what's happening but how does the narrate that I was like these are whales they're right here they're right next to us you're they're right next to you thank this you is like a once in a lifetime opportunity you're welcome that's so um, cool and it was one of the coolest things I've, that's ever happened and like whales have gotten close to other boats that I've been on especially babies because babies are very curious mm-hmm. so they will get close to boats that you're on but that was by far the closest like it was insanity I was like this this feels not real like I still think like it's still in my dream sometimes probably one of the reasons I'm in love with Andrew let's be real but (laughs) but it was it was insane absolute insanity and and they and they were like active like they kept coming up and coming down like on on other sides of the boat they would dive and like come up on the other side and dive to the other side and I was like you guys are just having fun you guys are just playing with us at this point and then we couldn't leave like we couldn't leave the area because we Mm -hmm. couldn't like turn our like our like motor was still on but it couldn't be like operational like we couldn't actually like have us moving anywhere yeah we just had to like stay there with these whales dicking around with us the torture oh yeah I was like this is so awful and like Uh. of course all the staff like the people like the management because we have a night tour as well right like there's a sunset tour that goes on so the management's freaking out they're like just get rose out (laughs) yeah like we're not gonna get back in time for sunset how are we gonna like losing their mind I mean Andrew were like who cares who cares sounds like a you problem (laughs) this is the coolest thing that's ever happened what do you mean who cares about sunset they'll get a sunset eventually maybe we'll figure it out (laughs) that happens every day exactly like uh, oh it was it was insane i just i just remember the staff running around like crazy people losing their minds and me and andrew just being like i love that (laughs) that's just like okay what are you doing you talking about that sounds really bad for you. We're going to keep like going to stay here. For you. And like when we <laughs> got back, like the food delivery for like the, like the night tour was like sitting there. Like, the, like they had a big food truck, like just sitting there, like four local guys just like staring at us. And we were like, uh, I don't, I want to say sorry, but I'm, I'm not. not. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, we had, I think the closest encounter I've had with the humpback was out here actually in the San Juan. And we were so cl- like it, did like very similar thing where it dove we're like where did it go and popped up right next to the boat and I almost got snouted on and I kind of I know I know it smells bad but I kind of wish I had because I think it's like one of those cool stories where you're like yeah I got snouted on now I'm really bad at transitioning from topic to topic if people cannot tell yet um so to the to talk about what it is like being in the field as someone who is in the LGBTQ plus community. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I feel like, like, should we start with like your s- story of maybe like realize, I don't know how long have you like realized maybe you were. I've been gay for a very long time. Okay. I'm <laughs> old for one, right? So I'm 29. Mm-hmm. I have been out since I was 13. So I've been gay for wow. more than half my life. Um, I yes I'm I'm a gay okay. <laughs> I'm a gay um I identify I currently identify as pan and funny enough we're recording this on pan visibility day so yes. what's up you can visualize me today um 
<laughs> when uh, I first heard about pansexual, my, my best friend in high school was pansexual. And <laughs> when he first told me, I thought it <laughs> went like pans yeah. because I was very, uh, what is the word? I didn't know much. And he, the word you're going for there. <laughs> he, he knew that I didn't know much. And so he just said it. And I was like, oh, that's what, yay. And I was like, <laughs> in my head, I was like, what is that? And I genuinely thought, and I like, I think I made like a Rapunzel joke about like Flynn Rider was also pansexual. Oh my God. <laughs> and then I looked, and then I think either he told me or I looked it up and I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. I just never heard it. I was like, there's gay, bi, lesbian. And that was all I knew. There's a little bit more than that. But there, you know, there's, okay. a, yeah, there's yeah, there's more than that. But at, like, <laughs> I think we were like 15 or 14 and I was just like, yay, I don't know what that is. <laughs> Yeah. insert weird joke that I hope isn't rude because I am super awkward I mean I think that's one of the reasons that people identify as pan is so that you ask them because it is helping with the progression of understanding non-binary and mm-hmm. how they're not being just like this two-gender system um and yeah. that's that's kind of part of it right is the fight for gender equality and you know gender neutrality almost for people it definitely led into like that conversation between us too like as our friendship grew and like I learned more about like different sexualities like like being non-binary um and just like all those things I again were things I'd never even like thought of yeah it definitely turned into that because I'd ask I would be like I don't get like and I did ask I was like what is the difference between pansexual and bisexual because Mm -hmm. I just was very confused most people are, and that's okay. And I I try and explain it. I explain it a lot on TikTok and Pride's coming up. So I have more content like revolving around it. And like I, the best way I, I if you, anybody is confused, the best way I know how to explain it is pan is just a really broad, or sorry, bi is just a really broad statement. Like bisexual is just attracted to like your same sex and then, or your same gender and then genders other than yours. Um, and that can be, you know, however you want to define it. Um, and you know, uh, it's of course started bisexuality started long, long time ago as mm-hmm. attraction to men and women because that's what we, you know, socially accepted as the only two genders. But as you know, social understanding has changed, so has the definition. And you know, the definition became official in the '90s when they wrote the Bi Manifesto. Um, and Pan came about uh, about in the '70s, um, and it came from the kink scene. Um, so it came, you know, originated in the kink scene where people were looking for a way to say I'm not just attracted to just men and women because that was the condensation that came with bi at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so they wanted a word that, you know, went spanned past that. Uh, so that's where pansexuality came from. Pan is probably not, probably I not. Don't know. I don't remember at this point, but it does mean all. Mm-hmm. So all sexual. Um, and uh, I didn't know that was until college. So when I was younger, I just identified as queer because I uh, recognized that I liked men and women and everything in between and elsewhere. Um, and I had, I dated, uh, had a girlfriend in high school. So I like, you know, didn't just like say I was lesbian and like have fun. Like, no, I was, <laughs> I was dating girls and having, you know, doing things and and also dating men. Um, and so I went to my very Catholic university as a openly queer person. Um, and I attended the GSA, like that was one of the first things that I did was sign up for the Gay Straight Alliance. 
um, I eventually became the president of that alliance. Um, and I, I was in college. This is, you know, we already talked about how old I am, but I was in college when um, Hawaii was fighting for marriage equality. So this is before it was a state law, or sorry, before it was a federal law. That's when we were working on individual states uh, gaining marriage equality. So I was really involved in the Hawaii marriage equality movement. Um, you'll like find me in the commercials, like the Hawaii United commercials. You'll find my little face in there. Um, <laughs> uh, and, you know, just doing phone banks and things like that, protesting at the Capitol, all of that. Um, and there is unfortunately a really big lack of representation of queer people in STEM. And unfortunately that it comes from a really bad stigma. People are, you know, worried about what that means. And like, for some reason, being queer automatically means you're like unprofessional or something along those lines. And that's a huge stigma that we've had to deal with. And like I said, before we started recording, there are, there are big names, even in the marine bio field of people who are queer that weren't very open about it or didn't talk about it. Um, and I think that I understand why the generation in front of me and in front of us did that, like, you know, fear, especially as women, like a lot of people that I can think of at the top of my head that haven't been out are women um, because they're already stigmatized, right? You're, you're already kind of a stigma in the STEM field. You're already looked down upon for being a woman. So when you're a queer woman, then that just, you know, doubles down your neglect. Mm. Um, so a lot of the people in front of me won't be, you know, weren't open, wouldn't talk about it. Um, and so unfortunately though, that has led to there being not a lot of support, like because there wasn't a demand for support, there isn't a lot of support. There's no LGBT full ride scholarships anywhere. Um, there's only a couple that are, you know, partials. Um, and there's maybe 25 total. I think they're all like around the 10 grand range total, which is mm -hmm. not a lot. Yeah. Um, and, and you are faced with uh, some, some harsh stigmas, you know, I've had, I've been looked over for a project because, uh, <laughs> the person, the professor that was, uh, assigning the project said that I was too busy with my club, which is my, which was, Here. which was the Gay Straight Alliance, but the Here. other people that were, uh, in that project were like in student government, like, you know, had things, but my club made me too busy. Mm. Um, and then I had a professor that I worked for for a long time. I was her lab assistant. I had a lot of respect for her. She was one of the professors that helped me get that original internship at HIMB. She was the professor that got the report back that I had done a great job and like had pulled me and the dean aside. Like she was the she was the one that did all of this. And uh, it wasn't until uh, we were fighting for marriage equality and it was had just been uh, voted yes. What you had just voted yes but I was like hanging on her office one day and she was just like, I don't know, I just can't agree with it because I believe marriage is between a man and a woman. And I was like, excuse me? And I was like, I I've been fighting for this for the past year. Like I am yeah. currently celebrating. And she was like, well, it just marriage is between a man and a woman that kind of like demeans the marriage of meaning or meaning of marriage. And I was like, okay. But what about all the things that come with that? Like queer people getting, getting to be married isn't just getting to be married. It's also being on each other's taxes and getting health insurance and like the things that come with a marriage. And she was like, I don't think they deserve that. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I have definitely had the experience of being a queer person in the STEM space and just being like, I am not welcome here. 
and that's very very obvious that I am not welcome here um so I understand like as I said earlier I understand why queer people in front of me have done it have not said have kept it in the closet have kept it in the shadows you know I, I like I know that they're queer because they would bring their partner or they would do things you know and you're like oh so, so you are queer but they don't talk about it you know it's it's mm-hmm. very very like hush hush and you know, you're, you're, you're frustrated by it as a younger queer person. Cause you're like, I, we need that. We need that representation. We need people that are going to say, you know, this is the demand. There are queer people in STEM. It's, it's a real thing. It's not hypothetical. It's a real thing. And we need to start supporting those people. So we need that. But at the same time, that was, that would be putting their careers on the line at the time, right? Like the, mm-hmm. the space that they were in, is that worth them putting their own career at the line for everyone else? Like it's just this really crappy area. So I, it's one of the reasons I have made it such a, a point to be outwardly queer while, like while I'm doing my naturalist work to like make sure that like people are aware that like I am a queer person in STEM and that, you know, if you're coming here and being educated, you're being educated by a queer person yeah. and that there is queer people in STEM and that we need to start giving queer people in STEM the assistance and the support that they need because like I we just talked about this on TikTok right is that queer people are currently leaving STEM at the highest rate of everybody like a paper just came out about that the beginning of this year in January um, how they're looking at queer people in STEM because of course STEM has recognized its you know complete lack of support towards women and people of color so it has been trying to address those right like it, yeah. we've seen the change in STEM to you know the, the attitude change towards women and people of color, but we have not seen that same change towards queer people. And that's because we haven't been asking for it because we haven't been putting it at the forefront of issues. And because we haven't been saying it, we've just kind of been letting it sweep under the rug out of fear and, you know, and out of a bit of misogyny because it's mostly women that feel this, you know, need to stay closeted. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, you know, I'm just, I, I try and fight that with just being an openly queer person and, you know, letting people see an openly queer person in STEM and hoping, hoping that changes for the next generation. And, you know, one of my goals in life is if I ever, you know, you know, do have the funds or ever am, have the ability, I would love to set up a scholarship that is for queer people in STEM that like focuses on actually helping queer people in STEM and giving them full rides, like <laughs> paying for more than just half of a semester. Yeah. <laughs> so well, yeah. and then anyone listening, um, Mackenzie on TikTok is I found your TikTok, I think through um, one of your videos talking about um, white influencers in Hawaii exploiting the island. But then I've <laughs> seen a lot of your other videos about being queer in the field and just being queer in general. And you have a ton of like awesome right now you have like your rainbow capitalism videos, which mm-hmm. I think are so <laughs> funny. <laughs> and I love them because I love how you're like, these are so cute because I see I see a lot that are just like this is stupid it's just getting your money but then you're also like yeah but look how cute <laughs> like look how cute it is well I like I have like a weird take on rainbow capitalism because like I get it I get it as queer people we're like you're just using us for merch and money you're just using their rainbow to get it but also as a young queer person like when I was like 13 14 and like still just like you know figuring it out when I would see like rainbow converse or like, you know, anything like you're like in a store and you see a store that like 
has queer merch and like is trying to support the community, a part of you feels good. You're like, yeah. oh, so I'm in a, I'm in a place that like is safe and like I, you know, I'm in a place that I can buy, you know, buy this stuff. And you don't necessarily, you know, how to know how to buy from queer owned businesses when you're 14. You know, you know how to buy from Target. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, I think too, like growing up seeing these stores not having anything to, like, and I like my best friends growing up. Um, were queer as well and so I know that when they would find stuff it was like genuine excitement and they were out too so like we're very open like I found this like pin at this store like at Hot Topic I think was like one that yep. um, we reg we went on the regular and yeah. just like pure excitement and sometimes yeah. like being tearful over finding something and that's kind of yeah. where like I'll like when I do walk into Target and I've seen stuff like I'm just like this feels so nice like it's yeah. obviously like yeah you're pandering you're a store, you're going to want to sell me things. I'm not dumb to that. But I, yeah. I also think like it, like what you said, it's like a safe space. It makes someone also exactly. like get excited. Exactly. So, you know, it's, it's kind of like a catch 22, right? Like a little bit of a gray area. You're like, I really don't want to enjoy this. But also, I enjoy it. <laughs> I enjoy it. I'll give it to you. <laughs> you make like awesome content about like a lot of different issues and you're very open about talking about it and you don't shy away from harder topics and even like aggressive comments you're and I I very much get really anxious with <laughs> with situations like even slight things I like will have like anxiety I can't sleep and like check my phone over literally the smallest thing so I really look up to people like you who are very okay with being like because confrontation is not a bad thing all the time I no. do not think that like there's this the like toxic positivity I think it's okay to be negative and confrontational yeah it's total like it's good for you so I love seeing that from someone who is very strong (laughs) (laughs) because it makes it's like I love seeing people standing up for things and especially you with like LGBTQ plus issues and comments I mean I try and be nice until you're wrong I'm like you want to be wrong like if you're wrong and you're just like a step being wrong I'm gonna I'm really gonna call you out like I like I I my whole page is about education right it's mm-hmm. all about education it's all about trying to expand your thought you know expand just kind of your comfort zone of thinking and I think that's can be really challenging for people right and so I understand and I understand people come in with like kind of like ignorant comments like today today I made a video about Hawaii and I was talking about um uh, like better ways to travel like it was a second video of better ways to be a visitor in Hawaii Mm -hmm. I was answering somebody's question about like can you fully locally travel to Hawaii and I said no not really there's no Hawaii ecotourism like here are some like tips on how to do it better and I was like go to Molokai um because Molokai is you know predominantly um, Hawaiian by blood or Hawaiian by land like that's predominantly who lives there and somebody commented and was like why do you say it like that yeah and it and you're like okay and so you have to take a step back because my instinct is to just automatically be like I'm saying it correctly you stupid bitch but like <laughs> but you you have to take a step back and be like okay no some this person has heard Molokai their whole life they have mm-hmm. heard the Americanized version of these names like I have to take a step back and be like hey no this is actually just like me trying to say it properly you might have just heard the americanized versions like you know try and expand your mind so it it it, i try to first come with some knowledge first Mm -hmm. come with 
hey, that's actually not correct. Here are some corrections. Here are some articles. Here are some resources. Here are other creators that you can go check out to like know further your knowledge or further your education on these things. It's when somebody continues to be ignorant that I'm like, all right, now we're gonna, now we're gonna have a problem. (laughs) Well, that's like, I didn't know anything about their pronunciation. And I still now like, I'll sometimes say Hawaii because I'm like, oh, this is the proper way to say it. Or like Hawaii, Hawaii. Uh, but then I still say Hawaii sometimes in conversation because I just grew up always saying Hawaii. Yeah. And now when I say it, it sounds very weird. But like, I if I'm not, I have to like kind of make myself think about it. I generally like, and it's something I learned about, and I had to like make myself learn about. And with the other islands too, like I tried to be very cognizant. And like one one thing I was talking to someone, they're like, why do you say Haleiwa? but then you're going to say Hawaii. Like what? Hello, Kendra. And I was like, mm, uh, one, that's very good. Like we do stuff. Mm-hmm. So, and which it's, I think that's great because yeah, people don't know. I, oh. and a lot of people don't even know the issues in Hawaii, no. the history. I knew nothing yeah. going into it. And I think that that's where like that education in marine science, in LGBTQ plus issues, and you are very vocal with um, issues in Hawaii as well, that that is extremely helpful. Because a lot of times it is just not, like genuinely people don't know. Yeah, which I, is I get that, people people don't know. And that's kind of why I did the videos about like traveling to Hawaii. Like I don't necessarily want people to visit, like that's kind of a gray area, but I recognize people are going to. Mm-hmm. That we've been boxed up for over a year and that flights to Hawaii are cheap right now. And so the best thing that you can do is try and support the local economy because of course of Hawaii businesses were shut down during the pandemic. So like yeah. make the best of the shit situation, right? Like that's, that's mm-hmm. kind of what I'm trying to do about it. Um, but it's funny because it's funny that you say that you like say Hawaii. So like, I can't, I can't say that properly. Like I say Hawaii, like that's what comes out of my mouth. Like that's how it is. And I'll be talking to people like, oh, where are you from? I'm like, Hawaii. And they're like, what? Hawaii. They're like, where? I'm like, Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just it it is just like something different yeah uh whereas like I mean I'm from Arizona I say a lot of things um like when my husband came he's Canadian we're in Canada now um but when he came so many of the names were so confusing for him um whereas I'm just like oh these are super easy like and I say things I don't speak Spanish but I obviously I know quite a bit about like pronunciation and how to do so and it was one of those things where I was like I'm respectful in my state with um these people and it's rude of me to go to another which but and not do the same just because like I was raised one way there were movies and it was one of those things that like when I started actually thinking about it and learning from other people like I had some professors that would say everything like would say it the right way and try to encourage that they also would encourage that we use the proper names for locations yeah on the island instead of saying like yeah, instead of like the beach, like Bikini Beach, they're like, don't call it. Like, let's work on calling them by like their real names in your lab reports. You cannot put Bikini Beach or That's Chinaman's Hat. Like, we're going to put yeah. the proper names for these places. That's a good one. Because a lot really- of the places that are even like the vocal names of places are named after people that have done awful things. Like Kaiser's, Kaiser Beach is mm-hmm. named after Kaiser, who filled in the fish ponds. Yeah. So let's stop calling it that. Like, no, that bitch doesn't get this spot named after him anymore. Absolutely not. Like a white man that filled in fish ponds. Can we not call the beach after him? Yeah. And I was like, I would share stuff on Facebook and with our groups. And like, it was one of those things that it, 
like I think a lot of people say like oh that's dumb like what's the point just call it this beach call it whatever who cares but it's something that is like really important and it's just like a level of respect not only for just like the island but for the people yeah and yeah and I love how you bring awareness to things like that too yeah because I I think that part of that as well is that the Hawaii queer community is unfortunately really toxic and that's sad and that's kind of another reason why I talk about it is because I want to perpetuate a better queer community for the next generation of Hawaii queer kids Um, because unfortunately for some reason along the lines it became really really toxic even within the community Um, and and I get it like I get some of the reasons like you know like um, you know Mahu which was you know regarded as a very highly respected third gender in in ancient Hawaiian times they were the ones that when colonization happened and when Hawaiian was made illegal and hula was made illegal and all of these things were you weren't allowed to do they were the ones because they were the ones originally that kept things going they were the past you know the ones that passed on tradition and passed on oral traditions because what you was never written down wasn't a written tradition right it was a oral tradition so the mahu were the ones that were responsible for all of that so when it became illegal they were the ones that were underground keeping it alive keeping hula and the language alive studying it and preserving it so that they could pass it on eventually and now we have it and we use those words derogatorily mm-hmm. like we use wahoo as a way to be belittle somebody when those were the people that saved the language that you're belittling with like what have we done here and even this morning um uh, khon posted a, a news article that was about how Demi Lovato came out as non-binary and is using they them and everybody in the comments every single body oh she's this she's that she 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 um, I'm not doing this I'm I'm not you know why would I bastardize the English language and my comment was I was just like it's honestly really sad to see people from a culture whose native culture involves a very highly respected third gender yeah belittling something like this like do you see why it's so toxic do you see why you are making the queer community in our in our home so toxic when it really shouldn't be Uh, native hawaiians we know that they were like a pansexual polyamorous community like they had multiple relations with different genders like so much so that they're like if they had children with one parent, like the other, like partners of that parent would act as the parent as well. Like the, a child would have multiple fathers and multiple mothers. Cause you know, that's how it worked. Like that's the society that, that the land that you were on, that's what it began as. And now you're going to belittle it and use that language in a derogatory way. Like, how did we, how did we end up here? Yeah. Well, that's like, oh, I just think it's like growing up and I dated someone for a while uh, that was not very respectful of like pronouns and whatnot. And just like, he was like, I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me. And I was like, well, here's, let's think about this. Instead of trying to understand it, because you probably won't try to, you could at least just respect what someone asks you. And that's one thing I like would tell a lot of people because then going to a really religious school, same thing as people could be very derogatory towards these type of topics. And like, especially with, um, coming out like people who are non-binary and not wanting to use they them pronouns and I would kind of feel like is it that hard to just be basic respectful like I'm not saying like you should 
I would really love it if you were accepting and tried to understand it and grew from this instead of staying, trying to be rude and ignorant. But the least you could do as a human is to just respect that, whether or not you like the person. Like, I think a lot of it with like from some people like really just don't like Demi Lovato. Some people really don't like people like Caitlyn Jenner and are then now like going back to saying uh, the wrong pronouns. I'm just like, just respect. Like it does. Oh, it's such like a bare minimum thing. But then, yes, like with what you're saying, is an awful person. But you shouldn't misgender her just because she's an awful yeah. Person. Like that. <laughs> that it's not the proper reaction to something. Yeah. Like you shouldn't. Like the reaction to somebody's like awfulness shouldn't be to like misgender or belittle them. Like you can tell them that they're a terrible person without like being a bully almost. Mm-hmm. Like. Again, I think some bullying is okay. Like I, like I fully bullied the vegan teacher off the off TikTok. Like one hundred percent, I was fully part of that bullying her off the tick off the app. Like that's that was okay bullying in my regard. Um, <laughs> but there's a line where you're just being a bigot, where you're just being disrespectful, and I don't think you should cross that line. Like yeah. there, you shouldn't be. Your bullying shouldn't come from something that somebody that can't control. Like yeah. If you're bullying somebody for their gender or their sexual orientation or their race, like then you're just being kind of you're being racist or homophobic or transphobic. Like you're 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 bullying on those big issues. Like the background of what you're doing is ignorant and not good. Yeah. There are so many other evil things that you can say about Caitlyn Jenner. Like there are so many. I could write you a list of <laughs> so many other evil things that you can say about that woman and not be transphobic. Yeah, it's like it's I don't know how like it's like a it's such a close blow. It would be for like to equate it for people, I'd be like, it's like if your mom died and you like watched, like it's something so personal that does not need to be said in a situation of like critiquing someone. It's something you should just respect. Yeah. And just in general too, like not even you you don't need to be like fighting with someone to respect, like just respect someone's pronoun. You don't need, you should try to understand and be respectful of it, but you don't have to, you could literally just be like, okay, I will do that. It's what, and seeing it infiltrating because then it, it then affects every other part of like that person's life yeah. you are being a complete asshole yeah. if I would say so myself yeah. um no, it's are. one of those things like we would talk about it sometimes in classes and I was very lucky that I had a lot of teachers that were just very accepting and very like just not tolerant of yeah. people not respecting someone else's pronoun not respecting someone's uh, identity and all that kind of stuff but I had heard a lot of stories from other classes where that wasn't the case. And so many, so often students just felt so unheard and unrespected or disrespected. Yeah. Unrespected is not a word. <laughs> disrespected. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> we understand. Yeah. <laughs> so seeing that like just open representation mm-hmm. um, on an app, especially from someone who is also in the science field where there are still a lot of issues even with those of us who have platforms and are open we probably seem like the majority of this field but that is definitely not the case the majority of this field is still older white men for the most part it is growing like women are becoming a much larger part of the field I think like 60 percent of incoming for at least marine science are female and that is hopeful but we like that is not the end of our 
how we should be diversifying our field. Yeah, I, we we really do need to step it up with with the representation of, of queer folks and just being like like openly queer folks. Like I said, I, there's there are queer folks in the field. They just don't really talk about it or say anything about it. Mm-hmm. And the negative repercussions of that are so great that it's hard to justify it now, right? Like I don't think I could continue to be like a hush hush queer person because I see the negative effects that doesn't just have on like the queer people in STEM, but also the queer people in general. Like I've said this before, but academics and teachers and people, scientists, people like you and I are people that people look to for mm, answers. Exactly. We're the ones that people are like, what should we be doing? How, how should we be acting right now? And when we're like, oh, being gay is bad. Everyone's like, got it. Being gay is bad. Sure. So then things like sex ed are taught in a very heteronormative way, which has led to huge devastation. Or not taught at all. Or not taught at all. I never learned. (laughs) That's that's awful. That's (laughs) awful. But if it is ever taught, it's taught very heteronormatively. Mm -hmm. Wow, that was a tough word for me to get through. Um, I couldn't say disrespect, so it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but you know that like th- there's direct links to that to us belittling queer people and and not talking about it and making it seem bad to it kind of seeming bad in the mainstream mm-hmm. you know like if we're the academics and we're the people that are people looking towards for answers then we need to be the ones that are saying yep queer people we need to start talking about it more we need to start offering more queer support and discussing queer lgbtq safe sex because so many people that i talk to about like their sex education they're like yeah they divided us men and women and i'm like who how does that help anyone like this is sex ed sex two two bodies usually involved and we're gonna divide the people like what do you what do you what do you mean what are you doing Um, the only thing I had was I learned about sexually transmitted diseases through a movie that I didn't learn anything from wonderful yeah well another like within so I I was a TA and uh one of my professors at the end of my I don't know school path I don't know what to call it universe whatever with uh a essentially a gay straight alliance formed but it's called affirmation hawaii which was like a little chapter Mm. uh for us to join it was mostly on facebook because of covid but right before facebook there were some things in person but i i remember seeing my favorite professor and i also like worked for her on that page and she was like asking for those stickers to put in her window so people (laughs) knew that her office was a safe space on both windows and i was like sitting there with my phone and I was like this is the most like like tearful and like because it was it's just so good to see to know that like it will be so blatant on her window that Mm -hmm. if a student needed that safe space to go talk to someone that they knew that was not going to be uh it would that it would be a safe space because even like the therapy the therapists at our our university were not necessarily safe spaces like there weren't a ton of blatantly obvious safe spaces because people weren't either open about even being a safe space or they just aren't because it's predominantly religious university yeah and when when we were in our lab me and my coworkers, we we didn't have anything to put on the door but like in tutoring I would try to say things that would like hint Mm -hmm. at being accepting I was on this page I would encourage students to join this club to be like or this chapter it wasn't technically a club like people in our club I'd be like oh hey like there's also like uh affirmation hawaii you can join the Facebook page 
it has a lot of great updates, a lot of great information. They do student highlights, like learn about the fellow students that are around you in the LGBTQ plus community, because there are a lot of us on this campus. Yeah. And you, uh, whether or not you, you, you are a part of that, or if you're just an ally and you want to know how to help or just know what's going on in case something yeah. happens, because things have happened on religious university campuses yep. that can be very traumatizing that you okay. know how you can help. Um, and it was just, it's like, it was like a Facebook group can be powerful and just your teacher putting a sticker on a window that yeah. it can be powerful it can yeah. be very powerful and I uh, was on the board for the Life Foundation which is Hawaii's HIV and AIDS awareness organization for about four years which is how I kind of know the whole correlation between like us stigmatizing queer folks and there being a lack of queer sexual education and then that directly leading to some pretty horrid horrid things um, but one of the things that I distinctly remember from my university is uh, my, the president of my university is a brother, because again, I went to a Catholic university. I'm not Catholic. No, I've never been religious, but my school, but I went to a Catholic university. And so it, it's a, a brother is the president of our, or, or was when I was there, was the president of the university. And he did not like me one little bit. He did not like that I was like a very openly queer person. He did not like that I did all these things, you know, that I was fighting for marriage equality. Like we had to have a meeting with him like quarterly or something like that. That was all the presidents from all the clubs had to like come in and have a lunch with him. And he just like would very obviously like be uncomfortable with me. Um, and I was just like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not gonna be not queer just cause you don't like it. Um, mm -hmm. But one day we, I came to campus and this was at the like the peak of marriage equality in Hawaii. And there were protesters at the bottom of our hill. You know, Shamad University is like on a hill. Um, and there was a protest at the bottom of it. And these signs were horrid. It was like, you are going to hell. Gay is a sin. Like, like horrid, horrid things. And I came onto campus and I was like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Like, we're not doing this. Um, and I went and I talked about I talked to the brother and I was like, that's, but like, I understand that you don't like fully support it, but like also you need to keep your university a safe space and that's not acceptable. And like our university is also on the on a campus of a high school. Like we share this campus with a high school. That's not acceptable. This is not creating a safe space. And he himself walked to the bottom of the hill and told them all to leave. So, wow. you know. I, I still hated his little guts, but you know, it was one of those moments where I was like, I might not beat your ass in hell. <laughs> well, it's, a, it's at least like a bit of respect or at least understanding of the pain and trauma that yeah. something can cause. Cause yeah. like, I feel like the most, for at least our campus, the other BYU campuses, mm -hmm. but ours was pretty decent, but in some classes, mostly the religious classes that we have to take, uh, things could get pretty bad in terms of students making really offhand comments and this thing is like a lot of times people don't even think about what they're saying and that it is very rude and hurtful to yeah. someone who is not straight and a lot of times like even married and like there were things I heard that and I was like I sometimes would raise my hand and be like okay do you not hear like that's that's really rude and condescending to someone like yeah you don't believe that like we, we don't believe that within yeah. this faith um but that you have to see how that what you're saying is like fundamentally rude and like there was one time we got in a huge I don't want to say argument but it was like a debate I guess in class but it was kind of an argument about like certain things within the religion that uh people think is fair like that 
when people who are gay within Mormonism can't have a relationship. They're like, well, that's just saying chase, which we all do before we're married. And I was like, no, but the thing is the rest of like, those of us who will go into a, a, a like get married, will get to have sex. We'll get to do that. They won't. You're telling them to stay chase their whole life, yeah. which is one, like that's, and I was like getting like human behavior, animal behavior, like sex is a part of our lives whether or not like you want to think about that because you know religion and stunting sexual growth in general but I was just like I I I was very lucky at our university I had a lot of very progressive teachers from psychology to religion like but that was one of those areas I was like that's not at all the same and you need to start seeing that that teaching is really harmful that just innately saying oh well if you're gay in the church to stay in the church you just can't ever have sex or do anything and not even like kissing I was like it's not even sex like you're saying no kissing no holding hands any form of intimacy we're keeping people from which is wrong yeah and it turned to like a huge fiery debate and our teacher was just like okay (laughs) (laughs) queerness is exhibited in almost every species that we looked at like when we actually look at a species like for the longest time we were like oh there's like 12 other species that are homosexuals no and we've actually started like to, yeah it's almost all of them like when we've actually started to look at, at other you know mammals and started to look at their reproductive cycles we've started to realize that there's a lot of animals out there that have same-sex activity most of them almost yeah. all of them like and they're it's very not normal. talked about and it's, and, about. And, it's, and it's like normal like not even just like queer sex like people are like oh they're just having sex well there's there's like a seals out there that are having long-term monogamous relationships with their lesbian lovers. Like I like that's new like sticker. Yeah. <laughs> Seal lesbian lovers. <laughs> yes. And that's like it's a very real thing. It's I've gotten in that debate many times on campus yeah. and with people. Uh and partially because I, I was I was more vocal in the class and I lived with a very <laughs> in my roommate were very progressive within um Mormonism and we both were like we're gonna be vocal about it in class because we've also been the quiet student that no one said anything about and about varying different topics a lot of times it was like marriage like I there were things made offhand about just getting married and then leaving your career and I was like I don't ever want to leave my career like I'll pause it when I want to have a kid like I'm never leaving my career I love what I do but no one says anything everyone just nods and agrees and so we were like we're gonna say stuff and speak up when people are saying things whether or not like the class accepts it because so many times like teachers will get mad at you and ask you to stay after class and make very condescending remarks to you yep but it's like it's super important that's why I think when anyone speaks up to their own capacity because everyone is only like don't hurt yourself doing it like if it's so if it makes you super anxious if like you can't do it like I don't think everyone needs to be that vocal activist for everything that they love um but I that's like why I look up to you so much on like TikTok (laughs) (laughs) within marine science like being so open because it is very misrepresented in the field and there are topics that like people need to know about. Like I wish when I was younger that I had more than like, like I'm so grateful for my one friend who did teach me a lot yeah. and was there to listen to my bull crap when I said things that were very, like I think back now to things that I've said because I used to tout the whole like stay chased forever. <laughs> and I would say that and just be like, 
thought it was super accepting and super normal. <laughs> and I look back and I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, I feel so bad that I would say that. And like, they weren't really, like, my friend wasn't religious, so he didn't yeah. care. Yeah. But I just like think back to like how that, like, I'm embarrassed. Yeah. And I feel like all the damage, like I probably had done, just not even thinking it's one of those things that now I'm like, it's nice to see actual representation. Yeah. I just think about how, if I were younger, like if I were the young kid, like watching Bill Nye or like one of those shows, like, you know, the magic school bus, even though we know this result is a lesbian, mm -hmm. Um, but like, you know, like when I was watching those, if I had known that the person on screen was queer, how much different that would have changed my life. How much more I would have been like, oh, like I can be all these things. Like, because you sometimes you think when you figure out that you're queer that it's just like the end of it all. You're like, I'm gay and that's it. Like, I'm only gonna be gay. I'm only gonna be able to be gay. I'm gay and I can't do math because that's like the thing. Like, as soon as you're gay, you can't do math anymore. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, bitch, you're good at math. You're just gay and good at math. It's okay. <laughs> Those things exist. Like, it's you know, they're not mutually exclusive. Yeah, they're not mutually exclusive. Like, it's just it's just a stereotype. And I think that like we really get into that head that we that headspace though. Like when we figure out we're queer, we're like, oh, my life's over. Oh, I can't do anything. I well, have it's to like, like, it's, I think for the longest time, it was very fetishized. Like even, well, even now with like having a gay friend, your yeah. gay best friend. Like I had so many friends that were not accepting of gay people, but wanted a gay best friend. And I was just like, I think that's how, how it works. <laughs> how's that work? How are you going to accept your one friend? But then like, how are you going to have like you don't accept how they're going to live their life. Like what's going to happen. Like that's, you just want the friend because of like media tropes, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yep. Absolutely. And usually only men. And usually only men. And they only want women when it's in the porn field. That's the like only time that they want queer women is when they get to watch dirty films. No one wants a, a lesbian best friend. No one wants a lesbian best friend. That's okay. We're kind of cunty. Um, <laughs> um no but like like I said like I I just wished that I when I was younger that I had that representation Mm -hmm. that I had the you know the the science person that I knew was queer that I could be like oh yeah like there are queer people that are good at science and math like those things exist because I I really think that like the we've made that stereotype so like perpetuated it so much like you see it all over TikTok they're like I'm gay I don't do math like okay yeah it's like I get it like it's like hee hee cool but also we've made it to the point where people are like I can't be queer and in STEM because I don't know how to do math like you you can (laughs) you can do these things like it's possible and we just need the representation to show that yeah and we and we still don't have it like I don't can you can anybody name a queer like big name science person no no I cannot no there are none um, and that's why I like aim to be that person. So, you know, that's what I'm, what I'm doing. <laughs> and it's mucho appreciate. <laughs> well, the last two questions um, are going to be to any advice to aspiring marine scientists. And we will aim it for people who are LGBTQ wanting to come into the marine science field. And then anything you want to plug. So any organizations, your own pages, um, any projects that you're doing that maybe need some support and some follows, plug it all. <laughs> um, so first, any advice? Um, I would say just don't for don't be discouraged. I know that like things that I've said today might seem like really overbearing, like there isn't a lot of support, but it's 
being worked on. Like we, we see the lack of support. Like we as an older queer community, older queer STEM community see the lack of support and are currently addressing it. Like, like I this whole time I talked about like how I want that representation. So I'm being that representation. Like it, it, it is being addressed. So don't let that discourage you. Um, because we need more people, more queer people in STEM. We need more outwardly queer people in STEM so that we, you know, see that there is a demand. So don't don't let that discourage you. Um, one of the advice that I do have, as far as like choosing professors, is to be a bit more like aware. Like that's one of the things that I wish that I if I can go back and tell younger Mackenzie like some advice. That would be one of the things. Is like, hey, maybe like take a second to realize who you're devoting your time and energy into. Um, because it, you know, hurts when you've devoted three years of doing something to somebody and they are like, no, I don't support you. And you're like, oh, I don't know. This, this doesn't feel good anymore. So just be aware of, you know, of who you're researching with or who you're having, you know, time devoted with, who is a professor that you trust in. Be aware of that. You know, I, it, you don't need to be like, you know, are you gay? Do you support the gays? But maybe just like, you know, Put it into put it into questions, you know. Put it into a conversation. Ask them if they listen to Girl in Red, you know. <laughs> have, have a conversation. Just just try and get to know. Who See if they have a clear care. phone case. You yeah, know? <laughs> like yeah, just like you know, do do some do do a little bit of re- of digging and research. And also, like you have resources now, like like rate my professor and things like that, where people will say things like this professor was outwardly homophobic or this professor was really supportive. Read those, like read and look into those because it's really nice to have somebody who is supportive and kind of you. Because I've also had professors that were extremely supportive and you know helped me in my relationship choices and helped me when I made bad decisions and and never ever judged me or stigmatized me for being a queer person and those professors changed my life mm-hmm. so you want to look for those people and try and actively look for those people when you are getting into research um and like they don't need to be like a queer person but like a dedicated ally is, is nice it's nice to have somebody that you know is you know on your side mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, so that's that's kind of my advice is is don't give up don't don't be discouraged keep going and look you know just kind of be aware of the people around you um, and and definitely join your university's like queer club of wherever that may be because finding other queer people in STEM is very very unifying um, it makes you you know feel good when you're doing it because the the straight people around you are gonna make you feel weird you're gonna be like this is this is awkward, but when you have queer friends, especially queer friends in STEM, it's it's a nice it's a nice little connection and a nice little safe boat to have. Yeah. Um, and also, we're lucky to live in a day and age where you can find that online. Like there are myself, there's queer scientists out there online. There's um, Hey Curly Top on TikTok as well. She is a, a COVID nineteen researcher right now, queer COVID nineteen researcher. So like there there are queer scientists out there. So like find your community, you know, just find your community. And it makes it a lot easier. Um, as far as all of my things, I am Mackenzie, pretty much everywhere, M-C-K-E-N-S-E-A, like the ocean. Um, I make a lot of content on TikTok. I have a lot coming for Pride and Ocean Month, like an absurd amount of stuff coming um, because I you know, have been meeting with a couple of organizations for some really interesting stuff. So I'm really excited for that. I also have a podcast called The Controversial Dive. I don't specifically talk about only marine stuff. Sometimes we've, we've talked about some marine stuff, 
but it's kind of a controversial dive. It's a dive into all sorts of controversial topics, ranging from like sex education to polyamory to conservation to eco-fashion, all mm -hmm. sorts of stuff. Um, we just take deep dives into kind of more controversial topics and try and have these conversations. I love that. A fun thing to check out. Yeah, it's a fun, it's a fun little um, place to, to check out. I've gotten some really, really cool people to talk about it. Hey, Curly Talk, the person I was just talking about, they, uh, she came on a little while ago. And we had a conversation about COVID. Um, so if you want to learn more about COVID, there's one right there for you. Um, that's, that's, that's what I have right now. If you're going to Hawaii, support, support, you know, local organizations. Like your book club. Like, oh, I do have a fantasy book club. If you're interested, I forgot about that. We just started. We're starting in June. It's um, a ocean themed book club. Um, the books are predominantly going to be like fantasy and fiction, but we are going to have some like guest guest mm -hmm. genres just so we don't get like burnt out. You know, like I know mm -hmm. that like fantasy burnout is a real thing. So we might have some like guest genres, you know, throwing a classic here or there, but just like ocean themed books. And it's a, a really fun book club. It's already um gaining some some traction like I like I know that sounds silly but there's like 20 people in it already and I wasn't expecting that I was expecting like two I was expecting like me and my friends to be having the book club for the first month and there's just so many people and we um have chosen the first book and it's The Mermaid, The Witch, and the Sea by Maggie T um, Tokuda Hall and she commented and like has been like hey I, I would be so willing cute. to like do something and I was like that's so super happy. cool ask the author at the end of the month or something like that so if you want to enjoy um uh join the, the book club it's the fan it's fantasy as in um like fanta c like sea at the very end uh book club on on instagram um you can also find the discord through there or if you find my instagram um or my tiktok it's in my link tree and uh it's the book the book that we're starting with because it's pride and ocean month is an ocean ocean themed sapphic book it is uh, and I've, I, I've actually already read the book that we've chosen um, and it's beautifully written. Like it's a beautifully written book. I really enjoyed it. Title, a bit childish. I get that, address that, move past that point. <laughs> the book itself is really, really beautiful. And we, again, we get, are gonna get to do something with the author, which I think is gonna be really fun. So uh, yeah, if you, if you like reading, I'm, uh, I, that's my, that's my um, self-care. My- uh, There's, Book clubs are super fun. Book clubs are. So I definitely fun. recommend it because I did also, one for a few months with marine, just marine science books, mm. and it was really fun. We stopped because like school got busy and whatnot, yeah. so everyone stopped. But like it was really fun, just like talk to people about what you're reading. Yeah, there's also I'm 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 not a like leader, but I'm a member of the Buy Book Club since we're talking about gay things. Um, and it's a really, really fun book club. If you're a queer person that's listening to this and you are interested in the book club, the Buy Book Club, great, great resource as well, also on Instagram. Um, but book clubs are just really fun, you guys. It is so much fun. The book is not like a heavy book what, whatsoever. I'm pretty sure it's like 500 pages e-version. So that's like what, 300 pages in like a mm -hmm. regular text. It's a so. quick read. It is a pretty quick read and it's just a fun book. And we get to- It's good for recommendations. I'm yes. horrible at buying fiction books because I am so scared of buying something and then I'm going to hate it mm -hmm. because I am very picky about my reading. Mm -hmm. Like the last fiction book, I told you about the sharks- Mm -hmm. in the times of saviors which is a stretch for me because I don't love that it's written in like first person mm. but I love the book and mm -hmm. then the one before that the last fiction book besides star wars books was red white and royal blue which is sitting on my shelf <laughs> those are the two fiction books I have are red white and royal blue and now sharks in the times of saviors before red white and royal blue the only fiction books I've read in the last like three years have all been star wars 
because I knew I liked the stories that's and that they good picked, good, <laughs> picked good authors and that's all I would read. It's good enough. I yeah, just good. read incessantly. Like I read, if I'm not like doing research, I'm reading. Um, and that's probably one of the reasons that I don't read as many nonfiction books. Like nonfiction is probably in my top three favorite like genres. I love nonfiction. It's just that I do so much research on a daily basis, like mm-hmm. for other things. But at the end of the day, when I'm just like, I just want to like escape into a reality where there's dragons and fairies. Like yeah. that's like, <laughs> I, I don't want to read more about like, like everything else. And But on my days off when I have, when I'm not like doing ex- excessive research, I'll be, you know, reading a, non- a nonfiction. Yeah. I'm currently reading one about the science of the science of sex. Great oh book. yeah. I saw you post about that. I yeah my entire personality is the ocean and so my books very much correlate with that (laughs) yeah thank you so much for coming on my podcast it has been having me it it has been great and um I'm hoping (laughs) that I can find an lgbtq plus marine science something to put down in the com- in the description and everything Mackenzie said as always will be in the description her accounts and all that so you can easily find them but hopefully there can be some place you guys can donate to or join like Facebook groups or something that I will be finding to put in the description for each episode this month so check the comment or check the description yeah thank you so much <laughs> thank you thank you for having me thank you